Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. Hello and welcome to The Thriller Zone. I'm your host, David Temple, and I'm so glad you're here. Man, on today's show, we've got a gal who has written one of the singularly most unusual, original, and intriguing books I have read in a while. Her name is Amina Akhtar, and her book is Kismet. Check this thing out. Oh, baby, when you see ravens and red rock mountains in the background, you know something's up. It's mystical, it's magical, it's mayhem. (laughs) And this gal is a hoot. You're going to love her. So, why don't I just stop flapping my wings like a raven and get on into the Thriller Zone? Please welcome Amina Akhtar. Oh my God, is that uh, Miss Beanie behind you? Yes, she she has her own little arts up there and she's actually just laying down here watching. (laughs) She's never far. (laughs) Never, ever far. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We're going to bring her up a little bit later in the show. That's cool. She's my my shadow. I love her. (laughs) As you can tell. Yeah, yeah. A little... A little doggy obsessed here. I think I started following, well, I started following you shortly after I ran across your book, but then it didn't take me long to find Miss Beanie. Yes. (laughs) She's a a force. She's a star. She doesn't even know it. (laughs) She went viral some years ago and it was like, okay, she has her own audience. Let me give people what they want. They want Beanie. Yeah. Well, I always find it interesting when you can have that many followers and you're mm-hmm. a puppy, then you either our society really just needs more puppy love. Yes. Or uh, adjustment to their attention span. One or the other. Or both. Or both. Yeah. It could be a combination. You know, um, I think people just need cute things to look at these days, which I feel. Yeah. Well, we're going to be talking about this gorgeous book, Kismet. Um very short. Yes, there yes. it is. I'm trying to remember because you and I've been in communication for months, but I don't remember somewhere I ran across somebody who was singing your praises and there's a lot of them. And I said, and I reached out, I said, oh my God, I love your cover. And uh, thank you. Jeez, that's just, and if you've ever spent time there, which I have, and we're going to get to this in a second, the uh, landscape is breathtaking. Stunning. It's yeah. absolutely stunning out here. Yeah. I always joke that I, I would move somewhere. And so I'm, I'm about 20 miles outside Sedona on a mountain. You know, I can see the Red Rocks and San Francisco Peak from my, my driveway, but we're on a different mountain and it's just so beautiful. You know, like where could I move that I would have this kind of beauty just by looking out the window, you know, I'm very spoiled. We're going to dig into this and the mystery. I do want to, I always like to get to know the person behind now. uh, I've done enough stalking. I'm I'm sorry. I mean, following. uh, (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) 
of I'm my very online. I am very online by virtue of having worked in digital for so long. So there's a lot you can pick up by just Googling me. Yeah. <laughs> Stock away. Yeah. Well, um, that is the case. But I, I happen to know that you're former fashion writer and editor, um, and you've worked at some nice sized gigs, uh, L, yeah. New York Times, New York Magazine. I mean, and you've written for publications. I mean, so, so your background has always been perhaps as evidenced by your stunning glasses by fashion, right? Yeah. I, um, I wanted to write when I was younger and I thought, well, how am I going to make a living doing that? And you know, when you have immigrant parents, it's always about, can you support yourself? Cause you can't, you know, that's, so I was like, well, let's go into journalism. And that's what I did. And so I moved to New York at 18 and went to NYU, you know, just from Texas, thrown into the thick of it. And I wanted to be an investigative reporter. And I thought, okay, yes, this is it. I'm going to go to the New York Times. I'm going to do it. Sometime in college, I got a tour and it was the old building. And I swear to God, every five feet was a giant clock. And <laughs> all I could think of was the anxiety of filing on deadline would drive me insane. So I was like, ah, let's go into magazines because back in the 90s, you could do that. Right. Um, so I somehow managed to get a job at Vogue right, right after graduating, um, which was insane because I was not the Vogue type. You know, they like to hire, or they used to probably still do, like trust fund, socialites, <laughs> willowy, blonde, beautiful model types. And then there was me. <laughs> I was like, hi, what's up, guys? And I just sort of kept going. It wasn't like, I, I mean, I love fashion, but it wasn't like a driving passion for me. Right. Um, I just sort of got into it and then I couldn't get out of it. <laughs> Uh, my wife and I lived in uh, Manhattan uh, for a while and I remember fashion week and that was, it just kind of, it just seemed to overtake the city and it's its own world. I mean, for, for folks who've never been to New York, describe fashion week for my listeners. Well, and it used to be in Bryant Park, which is a beautiful park on 42nd and like six. And now it's spread out a bit more in different venues. But it used to be like you couldn't go into Midtown because the traffic, there are town cars lining up. You would just see models running, you know, with their castings, you know, and then their, their portfolios and what have you. And it was just very common just to, you know, you're, you're out somewhere and then, oh, there's a fashion show. Oh, great. You know, and you just walk by and you take a look if you can. Um, for those of us who are in it. So, you know, I handled the digital side for like style.com for New York magazine. And I helped launch the cut blog. Um, it was like all hands on deck 24 hours a day, <laughs> you know, just getting the photos in, getting photographers in, and it would take months of preparation. So I still have a little bit, I don't even want to say it's PTSD, but whenever it's fashion week time, I'm like, Oh my God, I can't, I can't even look at it still. <laughs> yeah. Nice thing about fashion and having lived in Los Angeles and now New York as well, uh, it's interesting to see the state of fashion as it is today. It's interesting to see yeah. how trends will, certain trends will start in New York and go West. Others will start in uh, LA and go East. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just, I having spent most of my career in major markets, it's always just fun to see the different take on what fashion is like you, you can move to New yeah. York and do pretty much, you can wear whatever you want. It doesn't matter. And no one even gives you a second glance on the street. No, yeah. the weirder you look, the better. And the more likely you might get a photo on a style block, you know, which is great. 
Uh, I love that anything goes feeling for New York. And I think that I wish more people had more fun with fashion. You know, like, don't worry about the trends. Wear what you want and have some fun with it. Um, I think American designers and, and the industry here is a little more uptight than, say, in London where they really go all out and have fun and and doesn't matter if people stare at them. Um, And I wish more of us, and I think the younger kids are doing really cool things. Um, I wish we didn't care so much, but, oh, well, this is on trend, so I have to wear this, and I can't wear those shoes anymore. It's like, oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's just clothes. It's just something to put on your body that gets you through the day, yeah. Let me ask you this. Are you from... New York? No, I was raised mostly in the Southwest, like Reno, El Paso. Um, my parents really loved moving us every couple years. Um, and then I moved to New York at 18. And then I stayed there until 2016, a very long chunk of time. Um, and my father lives lived here in Arizona. And I was like, well, let me go spend some time with him and you know keep an eye on him. So I came here. Gotcha. Okay. I, I, for some reason I thought, okay, how does a New Yorker go from Manhattan, which is a very specific lifestyle, having lived there twice to Sedona? Cause that is a cultural metaphysical mental shift. Yes, it is. And it's, I, I'm one of those people I have to do extremes. Like I have, like, I love Manhattan. I love cities, but I love being out here where I don't see people for days, you know, and I see only the wild coyotes or the ravens or whatever else animals, because we're really, we're in a national forest. So we have like wildlife everywhere. Uh, but let's see, is that a crystal around your neck? No, it's, uh, it's metal. Okay. And there's a little Ruby cause Ruby is my birthstone. Okay. Cause I was wondering you're in the land of spa I, and crystals and I Crystals are beautiful. I uh-huh. love pretty rocks. I'm I'm not one of those people who thinks I'm going to get something from them. I think they're pretty. You know, if you like them, great. Good on you. By the way, the coyotes that frequent your backyard and or perimeter are those. Yeah. Do you have you made friends with them? And has uh, Miss Beanie? Kind of. Miss Beanie would, would be lunch. I, I yeah. So Beanie has a coyote vest, and that's how she went viral. Um, and people were making fun of her. So if you ever saw a pink, a dog in a pink vest with spikes, that was my dog. And I'm very careful keeping her away from the wildlife for obvious reasons, but we have a couple coyotes and I think they're, they're kind of young and they've just kind of been hanging out and eating the bird seed. And I'm like, wow, bird seed's expensive. Y'all like, can't, can't you hunt? Like there's so many things like they could hunt, like the birds will be next to them. And they're like, no, 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 we want the bird seed. But it's like, so they might not be the most wily coyotes. Yeah. And it's not lost on me that you just said y'all. I mean, that's. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Texan. I mean, I'm from the South originally. So y'all is just a common, <clears throat> common vernacular where we come from, baby. Yes. And I, and I, I love that more people are using it, you know. Yeah, I think with y'all, everybody wins. Yes. Yeah. I think it's a nice way to do it. Yeah. Um, so I haven't tamed the coyotes. However, when they do come, because um, we have a dog that comes at the neighbor's dog, and, and, and I don't, they don't like each other, and they're scared of each other. So I will literally put my hand up to tell the coyote, wait, and they do wait. And I'm like, are they listening to me? So I don't know. I feel like 
something's happening with the coyotes. David Temple here for the Thriller Zone, and I want to say a very big warm welcome to Warwick's Bookstores. They're based in La Jolla, California. They are a family-run bookstore, unlike any I've seen maybe ever. Talking about customer service, quality products, vast array of books, including autograph books. I mean, they really have it all. My single favorite thing, and it's the one thing that is lacking in today's society, uh, in my opinion, exceptional customer service. How often do you get to say, hey, I went to shopping at so-and-so. Their customer service is amazing. That's what you're going to find at Warwick's Bookstore. Now, if you're not in the San Diego area, you can, of course, shop for them online at warwicks.com. Warwick's is the country's oldest continuously family-owned and operated bookstore. You're thinking, well, that can't be true. That's got to be oodles of them. Only one. Oh, my, one of my favorite things, they have signed book author events. This is where I discovered in person Don Winslow, Jack Carr, Meg Gardner. These big authors that we admire so much share their story, read from their books. You can get autographed copies right there. You want to shop for a gift? And you can do it online. That's what I'm talking about. You can actually go to their website, warwicks.com. I can't say enough nice about them. And of course, thank you, Warwicks, for believing in this show and being one of our prime sponsors. You've heard me sing the praises of the website hosting company specifically for authors called authorbytes.com, right? Well, there's a reason they're the number one website host exclusively for authors. Actually, two. Number one, reliability. Yeah, 99.99% uptime and 99.99% secure against technical threats. I don't know about you, but for me, there's really only one more thing I really care about. And that's a company who makes things easy by doing all the heavy lifting. Is it cheaper than some of the others like Squarespace or GoDaddy or Wix? No, but are those companies specialists in the field? You know, you can go with those companies and try to take a 30-day free trial. But guess what? How about all the specificity that you need for your book art and all the technical details like plugins, etc.? Those guys don't help you. Authorbytes.com does, though. You want design, security, infrastructure? These are the guys. If you use the code THETHRILLERZONE, they're going to give you three months free with a one-year contract. Give it a shot. You have nothing to lose. Three months free with a one-year contract using the code THETHRILLERZONE. You've heard the names Mark Craney, Don Bentley, Mark Cameron. They sing the praises of AuthorBytes.com. And me, they built my website. I sing the praises of AuthorBytes.com. Take it from us. Three months free with a one-year contract. That's AuthorBytes.com. Hi, this is Amina Akhtar, and I'm talking about Kismet, my new book, out August 1st. I'm talking with David Temple of The Thriller Zone. And now, back to the show. All right, this is a good time to morph, segue, if you will, into Kismet, because there is some of that mystical, mm -hmm. magical-ism going on here. And uh, I'm not talking about the classical mm -hmm. uh, definition of Kismet, which is fate, but that does uh, play into this book. But this is... Probably one of the most unusual premises that I have run across. Now, uh, you know, crystals, dead healers, so forth, talking ravens. When I got to that point, I literally, I'm like, what, wait, are, the, are the birds having a conversation? She's doing that? Yeah. So, <clears throat> it's brilliant. Here, well, thank you. If you ever come out here, 
the wildlife is a huge part of being here, you know, and I really was struggling with how do I convey that? How do I convey that the natural world is why people come here and it is in itself a character? And I was walking on my driveway and we've got these huge ravens all over the place. And one of them dropped a feather at my feet. And I was like, okay, I don't mean to get woo woo, but maybe that's a sign. Maybe this is like, do this. So I did. I was like, all right, I'm going to make the ravens their own like Greek chorus, you know, and they can complain and talk and do things. And let's, let's see what happens. Wait a minute. So this, you actually, so this actually happened. And that's when you said, Hey, they're going to become characters in my next. I still have the feather. I have it. It's all my, I keep it on my bookshelf. And I was like, in all the years I've lived here, I've never had them drop a feather on me before. So I was like, well, that's something let's, let's just keep it. Okay, now I have to go down this hole. Uh, you you had to have run across some kind of um, medium or spiritualist or I just yeah. go with medium because it kind of covers yeah. it all. But you had to have run across some medium in your travels there and said, "Hey, by the oh. way." So, well, I haven't told them about. The, I told some. I've so in fashion world, um, and a lot of the wellness comes from my time in the fashion world because there's a lot of psychics and healers adjacent to it so everybody you go out to dinner with a publicist and there's a, a psychic at dinner with you you know and it happens a lot um so i would tell people about it but i did base brit who in the book who's a shaman on a shaman named Brittany i met here and you know it, it it was it blew my mind because you know you hear the word shaman and you have a vision in your head you know from media of of maybe a, a tribe somewhere or this. And then it, it didn't even occur to me that shaman is a broader term. But she also, God bless this woman, started talking about how Trump made the chemtrails go away. And I was like- oh. I'm sorry, made the what? The chemtrails, like the okay. airline trip. And I was like, oh, this, oh, I don't understand. I can't have this conversation. I'm sorry, <laughs> this is weird. Um, you know, so it's, it, this area is interesting because you have this, lots of healing, lots of psychics, people really in tune, who also happen to be very conservative. And it was a very strange mix living here because I'm, I'm not conservative. And I was like, wow, how, how does this work? Like, I don't understand. I would imagine, you know, I'm thinking like hippy dippy, love everybody. Everyone's great. You know, like that's in my head, the vision. And, and that was not the case. Yeah, that feels like, uh, what do they call that? What do you call it when two polar opposites collide? Uh, uh, oxymoron? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and having traveled to that part of the country and just loving it, loving the the desert air, which is uh, people complain about the heat, but I'm like, if you've ever grown up in the South, that, t- that type of heat with humidity that's oppressive, once you get out of that, you yeah. never want to go back, which is why we yeah. love Southern California. But the vibrations and the vibe, the energy that has a magical quality, how much outside of this particularly uh, novel story, uh, the one you just shared with us, have you run across? Do you find yourself feeling uplifted and or affected? Yes and no. It's, I don't know if the vortexes are real. Some people claim it's just a marketing stunt. Some people say, no, it's a real thing. You know, you feel it. 
I think just being out in nature is very healing for people, especially coming from, you know, Manhattan and, you know, subways and, and, and concrete, you know, and, and car noise, I think can really change um, how you feel about things. You know what I mean? It really, and like, it, I find it so uplifting. Um, and I, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, if I was a nature person, I would have been like, no, I don't even go to Central Park. What are you talking about? And now I'm like, oh my God, the coyotes came to say hi. Hi, guy. Well, first of uh, two points. First of all, your your friends who come visit you and, and see you talking to coyotes must have something to say about that. And secondly, um, there is, I think, the point that you're making. And look, when we get away from Manhattan, which is nothing but pure noise and noise and people and more noise, you're psyche your attention your energy is allowed is is Mm -hmm. allowed to relax and all you're doing is you're you're communing with nature so maybe therein lies some of the magical i think so i really do um when i first moved here as we know manhattan is very loud i'm so i'm used to you know and i used to live on a high rise on first half you know like noise 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 it's deadly quiet here like it's so silent that I've had people come visit and they can't sleep because the noise is gone. But also between 11 p.m. and around 2 a.m., the coyotes throw a party outside my windows. And it's just screaming and howling. And oh, my God, it's kind of hilarious. You know, which kind of reminds me of this book a little bit from the standpoint of when I when I started reading it, I felt like, you know, it felt like a good old fashioned acid trip. And I'm not necessarily, I wanted to time that right when you drank. Never done acid? Yeah, I've never done acid, but I love that. (laughs) Uh, From what I've read, it's just very much, um, much like that. But the fact that you're juxtaposing murder and and not a real kind, not a gentle murder Mm -hmm. in general. I'm not gentle murder. I'm not gentle. I like slasher. I like bloody, gory you know, make yeah. it count if you're going to do it. Well, so you're you're merging murder with the land of the spa retreat, which I thought this is fascinating and has to be a first. If there is someone else who has written yeah. something like yeah. this. Nine Perfect Strangers, I think, from Leanne Moriarty uh, oh. was about, I haven't read it. I know that there was this show. And it, I think she was about, it was about a retreat and in the retreat things are happening. So there, there are definitely books set in this world because I think it's really right. Wellness is such a huge part of our of our pop culture now that I think that it's very right for thrillers and other stories. And what is your favorite part of that culture? Do you have a? Because you said you don't feel the woo woo necessarily, but well, I, I, I'm, I'm somewhat woo woo, but I. <laughs> In moderation, I feel like. David, I'm 27% woo-woo, okay? Yeah. Like, I come from a family that believes in ghosts and gin. Like, we had the superstitions growing up. So, it was always part of our life to be talking about, like, the women in my family would be palm readers and the men did exorcisms on my dad's side. So, I have this background where I'm open to these things. So, And I don't necessarily think someone is wrong for believing in any of this. I think if it works for you, great. I think when we talk about wellness, we also have to look at a lot of women um, get into it because the medical institution has failed us. You know, like we can't, we aren't taken seriously when we're sick by doctors. You can't afford to go to a doctor. And so doing wellness 
can make us feel like we're in control again, like we're doing something to help ourselves have a better life and better health. I do want to ask something. I know that you have one other title called the hashtag fashion victim. And yes. How does that, how does it compare uh, both fish and fashion oriented in some form or fashion? I would say <clears throat> fashion victim is one of the most batshit crazy books you'll ever read. And I say that having written it, I always had this idea and this was probably in 2008. I had this idea that wouldn't it be really funny if we set a serial killer in the fashion world and nobody believes it's her because she's an editor, you know, she's a fashion girl and people think fashion girls are dumb. So like my entire career, I always had people being like, you're too smart to work in fashion. And I'm like, there are brilliant people who work in fashion. Like, come on. So, um, and it's not a spoiler to say the main character is a serial killer. Like she, it's the first thing you learn about her. And it's basically if Devil Wears Prada and uh, American Psycho had a baby, it would be fashion victim. Wow, nice. Yeah. So you either love it or you hate it because it's also written in fashion speak, I say, because a lot of the fashion world was, it's like, it's almost like high school. I always feel like we have a delayed um, progress because people behave like they're in high school. And I didn't want to do that voice part two. Um, so this book, it took a while. I, I, I consider this book my norm, my normal thriller book, even though it's like a thriller on acid. Right. Um, <laughs> that's kind of how I write. Because I was trying to make it a little less batshit, I suppose. But it's still pretty crazy. A third less batshit crazy than your ordinary thriller. Yeah, <laughs> that should be a blurb on the front. Um <laughs> And, you know, I had this feeling while reading it and now having met you, uh, it is confirmed is that and uh, perhaps it was the I've never seen more exclamation points. It's the fashion thing, guys. I'm sorry. I, I'm trying to like I used to get yelled at for not using enough emojis and exclamation marks in my emails. You know, like I you, it was drilled into me. I still have that, you know, need to do exclamation marks. And I'm like, oh takes them out, takes them out. This is too many. Yeah. And to finish that thought, uh, I, I got a sense that you, I'm going to, was, uh, you're a writer that says, you know what? I'm going to write it my way, my rules. I don't really care what you think, or, you know, there's a little bit of Cormac <laughs> McCarthy from the standpoint of I'm going to make my rules and my punctuation is mine. So if you don't like it, F off, you know, I think if you're going to write a book, make it the book you want, because yeah. you're never going to make everybody happy. Like yeah. I have people who love my work. I have people who hate my work. That's great. It's that's what, how they feel is none of my business. It's about how I feel about my work. And if I don't write a book that I feel is true to me and my personality, then what's the point? What you think about me is none of my business. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Uh, and my which, next book is going to be even weirder. So just get ready. Okay, good. Well, I like weird. I'm a big fan yeah. of, uh, I'm a, you know, I think the reason I'm a fan of weird uh, for two reasons. First of all, uh, I read a lot of material for the show. So there are a lot of people, uh, this is a compliment. There are a lot of people writing to what the market likes. I'm not saying writing to market, but they're writing what the market right. likes, which which I like, which is why readers yeah. get the volume that they get. But for people who come out of the thin air, uh, out of left field and write something that's real. I mean, when I read this book, I'm like, uh, I had to call my wife, Tammy, just take take a read of this. And she started, I'm like, yeah, the, yeah, the 
Ravens are talking. Yes, exactly. And she's like, wow. And I'm like, see, I mean, where do you get something? I think there's a lot of pressure on authors to conform to, you know, like publishing houses have an idea of what they want. They've got metrics of what works. And here you go. You need to stay in this lane. And I don't think that's great. I think people need to have, have do what they do. The, the beauty of having diverse points of view is, and, and of all kinds of diversity is having really strange, different books, books you would, you would read and go, I would never have thought of that, you know? And I think that to me is what makes writing amazing. And I hope that more writers do it. And, and, you know, and I hope a lot of publishers also stop being like, well, these are the books that sell and this is the kind of book we want, you know? This is one of my favorite points because you're saying what I would like to have people hear more often. And that is write the book that you want to read. And yeah. if, and if there's only, a hundred people that will read it, a hundred people read it and enjoyed it and, and worry about uh, other things. Just the fact that you wrote a book is amazing. To me, if anyone actually reads my work, well, that's, that's icing on the cake. Right. You know, like that, that's, that's cool. You want to read me? Wow. Okay. Why not? But for me, it's like, I, writing to me is like breathing. I have to do it. It's all I think about. You're never, yeah, you're never going to make everyone happy. Make yourself happy. Right. Do you think that the fact that you're writing through Thomas and Mercer helps um, uh, allow you to write something a little bit, we'll just call slow, uh, slightly off the beaten track? I don't know. Because um, <clears throat> it can go both ways, right? Because you're Thomas and Mercer at Amazon, and there's a lot of metrics yes. of showing what works and what doesn't. Maybe they take the, they took a risk on me. Hopefully it pays off for them. I don't know. You know, I think that there's definitely times when I feel like, oh, should I write like everybody else? I don't know how to do that. I yeah. honestly, I know this is how, I, this, to me, this was my conventional thriller book. This was it. This is how I do conventional. I don't under, like, that's just how my mind works. Yeah. And P.S. Um, Amina, your, your thumbprint is your thumbprint. Do you find it interesting that the logo of your publisher features one of your friends? Does it? Oh, that's funny. I don't think I even realized that. Thank you, David. I did not notice that. So you can almost say it was Kismet. See? There we go. There we go. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll be here all day, guys. Try to. Yeah. All right. Before we start to wrap and get to our rapid fire questions, you you've just set yourself up for the for this next question. And that is and and I know you're a relatively new author, but you you got old soul energy. So I'm going to go with this. If you were going to uh, provide a piece of writing advice to an up and come, you know, an aspiring author, maybe it's somebody who has tried their hand at it and they're not sure or they've heard things like you and I have been talking about, oh, you should write to market or you should do this. You should formula, follow that formula, fill in the blank. What would be, if you got to speak to a graduating class, we'll say, and you said, here's what I would say. Um, I would say, you know, I, I read that book, Big Magic by Liz Gilbert. Um, and actually, I really love that book because it taught me to shut that voice up that says, you can't do that. There's, we all have that inner critic. And having that critic say, you know, that's a stupid idea. What are you doing? This is terrible. Kill that voice, strangle it, ignore it. 
the more you feed it, the stronger it gets. So don't listen to it because I didn't realize, I always thought, okay, I can write for the websites. I can do small little things. I never thought I could be an author because that voice in my head was like, no, those, that, that's for people who get MFAs. So when I first wrote, wrote my first book, it was more like, I don't know what else to do with myself. You know, I had been laid off yet again because the industry was imploding and my mom had passed and I was just kind of in this weird mental state. So I just started writing that fashion victim and it was like, let's just try it, try it and see, don't worry about the rest. So just write, don't worry about getting an agent or a publisher or, you know, how many sales, don't worry about it. Just do the writing, do the work. The rest will happen. I love it. And that title of that book again was? Oh, Big Magic. Big Magic. By Liz, by Liz Gilbert. She wrote Eat, Pray, Love. I would follow you on that. And I would challenge mm-hmm. people to kill that nagging uh, just mm-hmm. get off my shoulder. It doesn't bitch. help you. All right. Let's get to some rapid fire questions. If you've heard the show, you know this. Yeah. Super easy. You and your best friend are going to take a long road trip this summer and uh, bypass all this flight cancellation silliness, which has been crazy lately. What would we find playing on your car stereo? Oh, God. I feel like I am trapped in the 90s. <laughs> I think the music you listen to in high school really just sticks with you, you know? So it's going to be the Pixies. It's going to be Joy Division or pre-90s, but yeah. It's going to be Jane's Addiction and it's going to, you know, stuff like that because that was, you know, Nirvana all the time, Pearl Jam all the time. When you get to your vacation destination, you get to kick back and relax with a good book or two that's not your own. What would they be? Well, I just read Sandra Wong's book, uh, In the Dark We Forget. It's so good. Yeah. Just weaving in the cultural impact of our parents, because when you grow up Asian, you know, family and parents are everything to us. So it was so wonderful to read somebody writing about that. I was like, wow. I, I it just felt like, you know, I related so well to it. I just, and I, her plotting is amazing. I loved it. Nice. All right. Now here's one a little bit more philosophical, perhaps. If money were no object, how differently would you be living your life today? Oh, nothing. I wouldn't. Maybe um, I would travel a bit more, but I love my life. Like I, if you had told me 10 years ago, I'm moving in with my father and hanging out with him. I would say you're absolutely crazy, (laughs) but it's the best thing I ever did. Like, you know, he's 88. We hang out. It's so much fun. It's, bizarre and i don't think i could explain to my younger self why it works but it does some things don't need an explanation you know i love my i I love my life i'm having a great time that's awesome fourth and final if you passed away and was reincarnated as a raven would you act better or worse than your feathered friends and kismet I want to say worse. I would be a mean raven, I think. I would just like throw things at people's cars and stuff. <laughs> I mean, why not? Have some fun, right? <laughs> right. Oh, that's good. That'd be terrible. Well, folks, to learn more, visit work. Follow her or stalk her on Twitter and Instagram at D-R-R-R-Amina, which is Dramina. Which Dramina. We- yeah, it's so I love that. And please, whatever you do, follow her pups Insta at Miss.Beanie. She's very cute. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was amazing. You're a lot of fun to talk to. Thank you. I enjoyed it. I always it. get nervous doing these, but now you put everyone at ease. This is great.
Excellent. I'll talk to you Thank soon. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Bye. Was I right? Amina Akhtar. She's a hoot, right? And the book, Kismet, it is thoroughly unique. And you may want to pick up a copy as it drops August 1st. All right. Before I run, I want to do two things. One, thank you so much for joining us today on today's show. Thank you so much for subscribing to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash The Thriller Zone. And thank you for your kind comments and five-star reviews on Apple Podcast. It's things like that that keep the show going. All right. Now, as I have said for weeks, Dean Kuntz, author of The Big Dark Sky, is coming to the show on Thursday. Number one international best-selling author. Dean Kuntz, right? I tell my friends that Dean Kuntz is going to be on the show and they go, dude, uh, you got a legit show now. <laughs> that always cracks me up. Uh, I think I had a legit show a year ago when I started it. But yeah, it's a big bonus to have the master Dean Kuntz on the show. Anyway, told you about this book. I have two copies of this book available. All you have to do is three things. Super, super easy. You want a copy of this? Number one, send an email. TheThrillerZone at gmail.com. That's it. Number two, in the subject line, simply say, I want Dean Kuntz's book. And thirdly, inside the body of the letter of the email, just simply say where you're from and why you want Dean Kuntz's book. Get it to me right now. Like right now. Because I'm going to have my lovely and brilliant wife, Cammie, reach in a fishbowl, pull out the winner, and voila, it's as easy as that. One, two, three. All right, so coming up Thursday, Dean Kuntz, The Big Dark Sky. And until then, I've got more reading to do. Thank you again for being a part of the show. I'm David Temple, your host. I'll see you next time for another edition of The Thriller Zone. The Thriller Zone has been presented by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller.